Quinn. <laughs> Quinn. Guess who's back? Back, back again. Back, back again. Call an enemy. Call a friend. <laughs> we. Who's our enemy? Who's our friend? I think our enemy at this point is... Uh, is Kevin Spacey? Kevin, <laughs> listen. Here's what kills me. Tell me. Is that on a previous podcast that we were a part of. Don't name any names. (laughs) We wouldn't be able to talk about Kevin Spacey right now because he's apparently innocent. But I got to tell you, that guy's not innocent. I got to tell you. That guy's innocent. I didn't have a good feeling when he got so unhinged and started releasing those YouTube videos of himself because when they kicked him off the... uh, House of Cards, and he was like playing the character still and releasing his own content. I was like, "What is actually wrong with you? Have you I seen mean, those? They're so crazy." There, my question is, is like, who? Okay, here's what I actually will say about that. I feel really lucky to have friends and family who will keep me in my place, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, sometimes I, I wish my family would be like, you know what, do whatever you want to do. And we won't say we'll support you no matter what. But, you know, in those instances, I feel really grateful for a group of people that would be like, do not do that. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And they would stop me. Like, to me, that's caring for someone. I guess he doesn't have any friends is what it felt like. But I was also like, somebody shot that that video. Like, who shot that video and was like, this is a good idea. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, if you surround yourself with yes people your whole life, could you imagine? Could you imagine? I can't. I mean, I just have too many people eager to tell me I'm being an idiot, which apparently is a good thing. Which I think is a good thing. I think it's frustrating at times. And I think you do like run against that feeling of like stopping yourself and, you know, the anxiety of it all and anticipating people having negative reactions to what you do, which is hard as a creator, as hard as an artist of any kind to feel that way. But I got to tell you, grateful, grateful I wouldn't let any, grateful I have a lot of people in my life that would not let me do a Kevin Spacey apology video, you know, and if we're talking I don't about know. It, now Colleen Ballinger, Miranda Sings. No, now that we're talking about it, I want you to specifically do a Kevin Spacey apology video as <laughs> Kevin Spacey, as Frank. Here's the thing. I've been feeling so anxious lately that I think you will get an apology IRL. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're so You're just apologizing to everyone in your life right you're now? You're just apologizing for existing. Yeah. You're like, wow, I, so I existed sorry. yesterday. I'm so sorry. It's funny. On the back of my um, iPhone case, I have a pop socket, not an ad. And uh, it was sent to my house for free. And you might think, wow, Carrie, do you get swag from PopSocket? And the answer is no. I think someone sent it to my house accidentally. I don't know if it was someone who formerly lived there, but I got a couple PopSockets. And I tried to contact the company, give it back. They were like, we can't help you. Just keep them. And on the back, it says, stop saying sorry, which actually like I can get behind in some levels, but I don't I don't stand behind it enough that it's the thing that people see when I'm holding my phone through mm, my fingers. Mm, can you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I think saying sorry is a really powerful thing when you fuck up. You know what? Right? Like, I think saying sorry is very powerful. You know what would make more sense for someone like you? Get a sticker okay. and cover the words "stop saying." <laughs> 
And it just says, <laughs> sorry. I love that you can just change the complete meaning of a pop socket with just two very strategically placed stickers. stickers. Oh, I love that. Wait, Quinn, how are you? I haven't talked to you in like I know. It feels it does feel so like a really crazy. long time. It You've feels been like a so really fucking busy. Long time. So, Carrie's abroad. Um, she's in Winnipeg getting rave reviews of her show. People are <laughs> dying to see it. Um, I mean, you guys are you're killing it out there. You're getting featured uh, in the mags, in the news, in the in the yeah, press. People fun. are excited. Yeah. People are loving it. People selling out people houses. It's been very fun. Last night, though, we did the show, and we're doing the show ten days in a row here, which is. A lot of work. Um, our show is pretty physical. So like we're dancing a lot, a lot of work. I have mysterious bruises on my body from God knows what. Um, and then I'll like do the show and I'll be like, ah, that's where it's from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'll do like a certain pose and be like, ah, that's the bruise. Um, but yesterday we were just like, we have 15 minutes to load in and then 15 minutes to prep and go. And yesterday I started the performance and I realized I forgot my hair tie. And you've seen the show. So after the first movie that we parody, I just stopped and I was like, does anybody have a hair tie? This is not a bit. I really need a hair tie. And so someone in the audience gave me a hair tie for the show, which was really nice. I, Shout out to Sherry. And they liked it. And they felt like that's why they came to see live theater. Because things go wrong it, and it's fun and it's exciting. Well, thank God for the hair tie because I had pulled my hair back to play a male character in the show. And then I wear like my hair half up in one of those like, um, how would I describe it? The clear um, rubber bands that pull out your hair. So I'm going bald in a spot. Mm. So I I wear one of those. And while I was doing the show, all of a sudden I feel and that fell out. So I was just like, my hair looked like a hot mess yesterday. (laughs) But we showed up. But we showed up. Hey, nevertheless, she persisted. I love it. Oh, my God. I could talk so much about it. But we rented a an apartment in Scotland. And um, we just got, like, it's through Airbnb. We met this person. And we just got word that they would like their tenant to come back early and spend five nights in the apartment with us, even though we paid a ton of money for it. So crazy. And it's so insane that, is that we're like, hey, well, the crazy thing is that, like, we were like, okay, can she sleep on the couch? Because, like, we have a show every night. This is five nights of our, like, 29-night stay. Mm-hmm. That's that's a percentage. And she was like, you know, it's actually her room. And I'm like, so we have to figure out. I also, it's one of those things where it is affordable and it is close by. You don't so want do to lose the place, figure- but you also I don't want to wanna- lose the place. But I also am like, listen, like... <laughs> let us i i just i want a bed i want a bed for five nights mm-hmm. what are you gonna do hey look at us we're here you know should we address like the elephant in the room that is that we are here <laughs> do you know what i mean like are people like why aren't you guys discussing the fact that your show uh ostensibly was gone for an entire year and now you're back and you're pretending you you didn't leave Truth be told, it's so We're like gaslighting so... the dear readers. It's so intense. We're just like, oh hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Oh my God. Um Let's what'd you do this up... week? I know it seems listen, we've heard that you've missed the banter, so we just wanted to get right into yeah, it. Yeah, just no, give you what you came for. Give you what you came for. No, I here's the thing. It's been so I don't know how if you, how you felt about it, because we're gonna talk about the elephant because 
She's big. She's there. She's gorgeous. But she's in the room with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Her trunk is swinging across my face. Yeah. Big trunk energy. Big trunk. BTE. So <laughs> um, I don't know how you felt. I felt like really stressed about this episode because it's like our first back and it feels like such a big deal. But I'm trying to give myself the permission to be like, you know what? We started this show on a shoestring budget and a dream, and we're back, baby, and we're back. I mean, we literally started it on a shoestring. Like, that was what we used as a microphone. You can tell when you listen. We just had shoestrings. It was one of those, like, we just did two cups with a string, and we talked, we talked into, into it, them. and we hoped that, a, we were like, we hoped that you'd work? pick it up. <laughs> we hoped, and we hoped you liked it. And a lot of you did, which was amazing. Yeah. And we're back. We're back, baby. Tell us, I hey, tell us why we're back, Quinn. Well, tell us. Um, here's the truth: <laughs> we really liked doing this show for uh, money, and it was fun. We had a big ride. We had a year where somebody gave us lots of money to tell scary stories, ride. and it was really it was fun. fun. It was like, yeah, it was Disney World because um, having like a whole team of researchers and editors and all these things and all Carrie and I really had to do was like show show up. up. And we did have to research quite a bit. Yeah, but I fucking love doing that. Anyway. Yeah. So it was great. We loved our team. We loved working uh, for A&E and it. We were and our, we were doing really well, you know. I think that those of you that came on that journey with us know that toward the end it started getting more in the direction of what this show is, which is to say they started kind of trusting us to be ourselves and not just the voices of the stories. I think I think, I think the exact words were, "Hmm, why don't we try it so that it's closer to truly darkly creepy?" And we were like, "Could we?" That's we our like, dream. That sounds so fun. But Let's do that. All and then dreams. They said, psych. They said, psych, actually, you're just going to go back to do Truly Darkly Creepily. <laughs> we were and just we easing said... you in. No. I would say, like all <laughs> dreams, you do eventually wake up, and that's what happened. And they... Oh, but it was a fun ride while it lasted. And you know, it really was. To be clear, they they really they were great to us. They loved us. They loved the show. The show was doing well. The show was growing. Mm-hmm. And then A&E... I, I imagine it's like a man in a business suit that we never met um, on yeah, the 117th floor of a building we've never been in was Not looking was at a, a spreadsheet and decided to just X out all the audio department. Their podcasts. All their yeah. podcasts. I think, I think it was a guy in a business suit that we have not met. Our producer hasn't met. Our senior producer hasn't met like i think the person making the decision was so high up that we we would not even have been at like the same holiday party right with this person we just you want you I mean? to know that because we want you to know it's not awkward between us and that person because we don't no. know who they are but if you do you should tell us and frankly i don't think they know who we are oh no which i think is nice <laughs> i think is kind of nice you know it's yeah one i of think those the underlying where... thing is like we would have hated to lose that job for any sort of personal reasons so it was the best case scenario because we lost that job it wasn't personal and it was still really fun and great while it lasted and there's <sighs> no bad blood so i think it's as as good as it could possibly be i know but there's also that little bit of my ego that's like we weren't canceled <laughs> Oh, we were canceled. Totally. Well, we weren't. <laughs> we weren't canceled. We were. We were laid off. Heard of it? It's happening to a lot of people these days. It's Maybe happening it happened to, to a lot you. of people. Yeah. If it happened to you, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
because it does really sting. It really is hard. It's, uh, you know, Carrie and I got off the call when we found out this happened and I just started quickly calling uh, summer camps and restaurants that I had reservations at and like manically canceling plans like a lunatic. (laughs) Quinn and I went through very different reactions. Well, not reactions. We had very different life experiences at that moment where Quinn went to like crisis management mode and like canceled a bunch of stuff and like, you know, sort of like reallocated funds in your life. And for me, I was about to go on a cruise to Alaska. Like she's like (laughs) stepping onto the ship as she got laid off and was like truly about to lose internet. And they were were like, this is going to be so great. You have a little vacation after. And it, I, I'm, I feel mixed about it. I, I don't think there's any good way Mm -hmm. to get receive news of being laid off. I don't think there's any great way. Like, no time is a good time to receive this news. I can't imagine being like, and I'm so grateful. Because I got to tell you, I wanted to relax on this vacation. Guess what I didn't do? Mm -hmm. Relax. Yeah. It was very, but, you know, it's one of those things, too, where if you look at it, like, I know we're saying, woe is me. And you know what? Yeah, woe is us. But um, what I do think is important to acknowledge is, like, it was a fun year while it lasted. It was so fun. And it was really really cool opportunity that like I mean I just the excitement like the things I'm remembering of like us getting the offer Mm -hmm. and calling each other and like people listening I don't know it just seemed felt so seen those zeros hit our bank account that's what I'll always remember I'll always remember. I will remember you. We will also remember zero, that when zero, we did zero, things zero, like zero. this, when we did things like accidentally sing, which as you guys know, <laughs> they cut it. We do that. <laughs> they either cut it or in some cases, because they're a legit company, had to like pay royalties on the rights. It's like purchase I would would have loved to know how much I I would love to just know a line budget for our podcast and how much they spent on like I literally quoted a Lindsay Lohan song called Rumors heard of it and apparently they got the rights to it which just makes me I just I'm glad to support Lindsay and her baby yes in any way that I can thank God really good mission and I'm sure she didn't write it and she probably doesn't see the royalties because I sing it and it wasn't her voice but I like to think somewhere Lindsay Lohan smiled and did the parent trap handshake. <laughs> Definitely that's what happened. But I think that in exciting news, uh, as you know, we weren't able to do this show while we were doing Crime of a Lifetime because we had a non-compete. And now that Crime of a Lifetime has ended, we get to come back to this show. We are excited. It feels to me. I know you said you were nervous and I get that. I also kind of just feel like I'm coming home. Like it feels like a really comfortable happy thing and obviously for those of you that aren't on patreon we have been making patreon episodes this entire year uh so there are a bunch of those um at the time you can see yeah it feels like what do we catch up for the non-patreon also welcome to people who listen to crime of a lifetime and followed us over here. Oh my god, I'm, you followed us I'm here? So Did you happy? follow us it's here? A little, it's super creepy and weird, but like, thank you. But at the same time, oh my god, thank you. But at the same time, thank you so much. No, uh, yeah, I. If they followed us it, from Crime of a Lifetime, they're like, um, do they what do the fuck stories is going on? on this show, or do they just they shoot swear? the shit? <laughs> Beep. <laughs> 
Yeah, we will not be bleeping this podcast. Or editing it, for you, that matter. Or, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> say goodbye to the Foley art. If you wanted the Foley, I'm so sorry, unless it's practical while we're recording. That's a thing. Here's the thing. I have such a long story. I'm wondering, should we hop in um, and catch up a little more next time? Or Yeah, but I think we should start by saying, hi, welcome to Truly Darkly. I'm Carrie Ippema. I'm Quinlan Posner. And this is that podcast. So we just introduced you to that podcast. So here we are. Yeah. Welcome. We're back. It's true. It's like we never left, but we totally did. Oh, and before we start, there's actually (gasps) three Patreon people to thank. Three Patreon people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here we go. Thank yous to thank. Say their name. Say their name. Chelsea is the first name that I will say to you. Chelsea, I see you. Chelsea. I see that you joined. Patreon. Chelsea, help me to be your best friend till the very end carrie's just rubbing her eyes she looks stressed about me singing she's like it's not about you singing i realize like (laughs) i am not in my home right now and so there is something about singing a song knowing people can hear you and i know we put this out on a podcast i know it's so different when they're down the hall or something so different when you're like sharing a wall you're like let me do a weird song about a name and they're like what the fuck is going on so listen i know Oh, God. <laughs> Why don't you do a really quiet one for Lisa? Okay. I'll do an ASR, ASMR for Lisa. This is for you. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, you're the tower of peace. You're not leaning. You're super tall and strong. I love you because you join Patreon. Let's go find uh, Sarong. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, let's party all night. Lisa, Lisa, you're all right. Lisa, Lisa, I'll talk to you later. Text me your number so we can chat and be friends. That was really great. I thought that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. ASMR for Lisa. Lisa, you're welcome. And the last, but certainly not least, is Brian E. Brian E. Brian E. Brian E. Brian E. You sound like the thing you based turkey maybe i should have been clear it's a person named brian their last name starts with an e brian we're not lying it's a little confusing <laughs> it's kind of crazy when we're zooming zooming talking about these people but in a different room in a different space just like you you're all in over the place country. where is your face we never saw your face but we're really happy that you're here Brian, I knew your name was Brian E, but then I kept saying Brian E, Brian E, and then it sounded like Briny, and then I thought about Turkey, and I thought about Thanksgiving, and I just want to say I'm thankful for you. And also so sorry. So, so sorry. And also, I'm so sorry if that was offensive. <laughs> I, I Carrie's like, here to apologize, we... and you're going to yeah. get that I'm apology. I'm not here to make a podcast. I'm here to apologize. My question is, do you think when we do our songs, does it trigger a memory of like, um, the name game or like making fun of people for their names growing up because we we do like the worst most rudimentary rhymes that it just is like are we hurting your feelings yeah oh good question I think um write in to say if our song ever if and if we've ever hurt you write in to say if we've ever hurt you because Carrie really Please don't I will Carrie's walking on so much sleep. left and right she's apologizing she's in a ouch, really good ouch, place to ooh. receive that energy ooh, ooh, ouch, she's ouch, expecting ouch. it quite frankly ooh the shells on my feet they ah, hurt ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well that got kind of just turned into a monkey <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ah. we should get to your 
story because it's a long one. It's yeah? really long because the story with this one is that I did all this research and we were going to do oh, it wait, on is the this other. Angela Diaz? Yes. Fuck yeah. We were going to do this on the other podcast. I did a bunch of research and then we were not able to do it because a large component of the case had not been adjudicated at that point. But it, first of all, it now has been. Does um, everybody know what adjudicated means? <laughs> It just means like there was a, a verdict, right? Like we went yeah. through the, it means the it trial. Was tried. Yeah, because like you it went you know. to court, it went to you know, it went to a judge. Obviously, went to a jury. We're a little decisions were made. Lackadaisical, but at at a at A and E, they, you know, they don't want to risk getting sued because they actually have money. Uh, we don't have any, so like come after us. We'll give you one of our shoestrings like attached to a plastic cup. Good luck. Um. <laughs> All right, so this is the story of Angela Diaz. It starts with a woman named Michelle Hadley. Um, She would describe herself as a nerd. She's in her 20s, and she's like somebody that she's by the book. She follows the rules. She's a goody two-shoes. And we are in the year of 2013. A.D. or B.C.? <laughs> if I swear, yes, this is the old old days. For some reason, her name's Michelle, but um, we have writings from it. I don't know. I was to reading do a whole podcast hieroglyphs. Oh, I didn't quote my sources. Oh God, this is going to be exhaustive. Mercury News, oh my BuzzFeed, God. Daily Beast, LA Times, Courthouse News, National World News, ABC, Washington Post, People, CBS, ABC, New York Daily News, Daily Mail, UK. And I watched Dateline Diabolical episode. Oh, also from Archival, the Detroit Free Press, the Fresno Bee, Napa Valley Register, and the Desert Sun. Jesus. It's a big Don't story. Don't get used to this, folks. Don't get used to this. Clear. Don't get used Tomorrow, to this. Next week, I'm going to be like, and Wikipedia said this. Um, <laughs> so, you know what? When we said goodbye to those paychecks, we also said goodbye to those high, high standards. So, Michelle. In the year of late 2013, she, at this point, has only ever had one boyfriend. It was her high school okay. sweetheart. She married him. Then they divorced. Then she met the second guy. So it's this vibe of like, okay. she's not been with a bunch of people. She meets this guy, Ian. Ian Diaz is his name. They meet on a, a dating site. She's now 26. He is nine years older. He's 35. He's a U.S. Marshal, and he lives at home with his mom. Total catch, right? And he's like... Um, I would call that a red flag. You want another one? He says, I love you on their second date. You know what? Love bombing is real. Love bombing is real. Not long goes by, like not a whole year, and they move in together in 2014, and he's like, got... I'm just going to like throw so many red flags at you. You're going to be drowning in flags. You're going to beg me to stop. I'm trying to but dodge But I'm not going to stop. Okay. So first of all, he's like, I really want you to look sexier, which his version of that is for her oh, to get fake nails, wear crop tops, and get her belly button pierced. Ian. Oh, God. That's really gross. I don't like that. I, if that's your look, that's your look. But if somebody's telling you to have that look, to be clear, that's really gross. Don't tell me to have that look. If you're going to boss me around, then just at least tell put me, me to, what not to wear. Well, then just be like, I prefer you in <laughs> a caftan. A, like, if people also like, were, are willing to give me a bunch of caftans, that I will change my look for you, but n- nothing else sounds well, appealing. I would change my look if I was on an episode of Queer Eye. I would change my look if I if was, there was on an a expert. makeover show. Yeah. If there, if was, there was a gay expert. expert telling you what to do, that's one that's thing. That's the only 
That is the well, or like Stacy and Clinton from What Not to Wear. Those are the only shows that I would change for. If you are you know? a U.S. marshal that lives at home with your mom, don't tell me to get my belly button pierced. <laughs> don't do it. So many red flags. Um, he, yeah, and he's like, it feels like he like reads her emails. He definitely he tells her where to get a job. He's like, you know, I think you should get a job at Disneyland Resort because I I love hanging out there. <laughs> Oh, he, no. he's a Disney adult. Well, I he used to work there, so he has friends there. And I think that the issue, I think what he gets out of it is that he still has friends that work there. So he can keep a yes, track of her. Totally. Totally. And there's like weird things where if she is driving somewhere that is not just to and from like work and school, like if she's outside the area of normalcy he suddenly calls her to check in and she even is just suspicious of like it she has no proof of this but i think she has that vibe of this guy is monitoring me um Mm -hmm. so of course when he proposes she says yes uh and here we are and he's like you know what would be really hot other than you getting your belly button pierced is if you fucked another guy in front of me and she's like, I'm super not into that. And mm-hmm, he just keeps mm-hmm. pressing her, pressing her. And then, I mean, it's a very abusive relationship. And she doesn't have um, a, a track record it's that would suggest someone... that she could recognize it as such. I think that she feels bowled over by this guy energetically. Totally. And I think when you're... When this is your first boyfriend and you you don't understand what your worth is or I think also like what what love languages think like that amount of attention mm-hmm. can feel really good mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and, and you're going, well, I'd rather this attention and someone loves me and cares about me. I mean, they care about me enough to keep a track of where I am. And I think you don't realize yeah. that like with that comes just really dangerous it's dangerous. It There's is. There's no doubt. It's dangerous. So what ends up happening is that on Valentine's Day that year, she's like, I'm going to do it for you. And she's doesn't want to and feels really like uncomfortable and awkward. So she starts doing shots of fireball and taking like cold meds to try to get loopy enough to like do it. Oh, and she thing. sleeps with this stranger that Ian p- presumably hired off Craigslist and he films it. And... She gets up in the morning and she has like that feeling of like, what have I done? I hated doing Mm -hmm. that. And now I hate that I did it. And she's like, hey, I really need you to destroy the tape that you made. And not only is he like, no, I'm not going to destroy it. But he's like, no one put a gun to your head. Uh, Not great. Well, they might not have put a gun, but come on, she was coerced. She was completely coerced, and if she's if she's asking you to destroy the tape, destroy the tape. What's what's there to even fucking discuss? Ugh, summer 2015, they move into a condo together in Anaheim, and Michelle does the down payment, but they split the mortgage. Um, more red flags abound, if that's even possible, during a fight that they have. Is he really a U.S. marshal? Yes. Why is I don't he know why that surprises down? you. Oh, it doesn't surprise. But I'm like, you have a job. I, you live with your mom. You're saving all this money. She works at Disney, and she's putting the down payment down on your house. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, they have like a fight on the highway, and he like pulls over and kicks her out of the car on the freeway. Like things are just keep going oh. worse. And finally, finally, after moving in together at the end of the summer, they break up. 
And it's a really bad breakup. Ian is like, you were cheating on me, like accusing her of things on the way out. She's really pissed. They're not getting along. But it is a plot, major plot point to say that this condo thing has happened. Right. Um, She's they're both like liable for the money of the mortgage on the condo. Yeah. Um, so they're arguing a lot about that. They're emailing about it and being like, fuck you, you pay, you pay. Um, things are really, really ugly. And Michelle ends up sending this email to Ian that gets a little, eh, it's a little weird. <laughs> it says, your sins are many, including defiling me and my family with your wicked and evil sexual acts, your financial coercion and irresponsibility, your gluttony, your greed, your lust, your sloth, your wrath, your envy, and most of all, your pride. I will bring Ooh, she the- got all the seven deadly sins there, She got there, him in there. She? she packed him in. She got him in there. I will bring the full force of the law and the word of God against you to judge you. It's a lot. We brought God in, folks. Hey, we said, hey, God, come on in. It's- the water is tepid and weird. <laughs> it's it's weird. I mean, it, this is this is. She gets like a little religiousy. Um, she. Well, I think you know what I can imagine. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that like. There's been a. <laughs> my heart goes out to her because this is the all she's really known, or this is her second boyfriend, and he was super controlling and. It makes sense to me that maybe she would try to find some higher power and, or, you know, to to help sort of guide her. I mean, she's been controlled for the last couple of years. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah. She writes to him that talking about the condo is that which does not belong to you but belongs to the Holy Trinity. I, that to me is a little bit of a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. I, she's pissed. She's kind of a little bit. <sighs> I don't know. She's desperate. Um she thinks that Ian is still tracking her and she's gets kind of freaked out and gets him banned from her campus because she's in school. And he goes to the police and is like, actually, Michelle's the one that's very unstable and I need a restraining order. And the judge doesn't grant it, but he ends up showing them this th- those letters that she had sent that were very religious and a bit frankly unhinged she hires a property lawyer and they reach an agreement that by june of 2016 which is in six months of when this agreement gets signed and stuff Mm -hmm. ian will take over the payments of the condo because he's there she's not and if he can't afford to do that they will sell the condo it doesn't okay. seem unfair. It's, you know, no. they've got to get this thing divided. They've got to split up here. All right. So Ian, meanwhile, in January of 2016, before that signed, but the same year, meets his new girlfriend, Angela Maria Connell. And things move really fast because they meet January 2nd. And by January 29th, guess what? He proposes. She accepts. Seven days later? It uh no, twenty-seven days later, but still. Oh, either December twenty-second, January twenty-ninth. Holy this guy. January oh my second. God. January twenty-ninth. Oh sorry. January second, January twenty-ninth. Holy Did you miss our math? Shit. Folks? You know I did miss our math. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that is that is it makes so much sense though. I'm not I'm not surprised, yeah. and that that's what makes me sad because this guy is clearly needs to have someone to control, and ugh, right. And they him. tell, um, they end up telling Ian, 
Ian's parents, like right away, they're like, guess what? We're already, we're pregnant. And they go on this trip to Boise to tell them. Then they get back to California and it's like, it's, it's like Angela's going to move in with Ian into the condo. And, or at least I don't, it, that part is interesting. What it sounds like might've happened is that Ian got home from work one day and she had moved in. <laughs> I mean, if she's pregnant with his kids and they're engaged, I don't understand why that would be a high drama situation, but. It's it also I read a lot of things that suggested that she didn't have a job. She didn't have health insurance, but now she's pregnant. So they're getting married to like support this pregnancy. And so it's she moved into his apartment that he shared with his ex. Yeah. That his ex bought with the doubt. Da- like that's that's fucked. Well, sure. But I don't think Angela cares about that. She just needs a place to live. And Angela's a shady character from jump like she she like the type of car she drives changes and he's like why did you change cars and she doesn't really tell him um and she keeps getting like bills with another guy's name on it but things are moving fast and for whatever reason he lets it go and what it turns out is that her car had been repossessed but she didn't tell him that so she's keeping a lot of secrets from ian and then can i say can i do like a little break where it says well it's that it's has Ian Diaz met his match? <laughs> Perfect. Thank. That was very Keith Morrison. Perfect. Thank you. Ian gets an email from the sister of a man that apparently Angela is still seeing. But this part's kind of wiggly. He says he didn't open it at that time because it went into his filtered Facebook inbox. You know when you don't like see a message because you're somebody sends you something through Facebook but you're not friends with them? So it doesn't go. He says he doesn't. The timeline of him reading that is very unclear. But there is a message that was sent to him that says, my brother's been with Angie for a while. Angie has been lying to him about you and telling him that their relationship wasn't working, but wouldn't be honest about the fact she was cheating on him with you. So he gets yeah, this. Yeah, but isn't Ian into that shit? Isn't Ian into Yeah, he's probably like, as long as you film it, as long as you film it. Right. So. Talking about emails, something really wackadoo starts happening with Michelle's email account. She gets an email from Google being like, hey, there's this Gmail address that you started, but we're shutting it down. And Microsoft sends a message to her that her email has just been assigned as a recovery contact for like a bunch of new Outlook addresses, like something fishy. So she's like, what? And while that is happening, Angela and Ian are getting creepy emails um one of them is from an unknown email address that says ian is cheating on angela and is the scum of the earth then the emails get progressively more violent and start to threaten angela saying she's going to be raped and killed i'm going to read you some of these there's an email sent to Ian, May 22nd, that says, you told me I was your first love, but you did not treat me like the precious, perfect treasure I am. You've sinned against God, and I want my power back because it belongs to us, the daughters of God. Sounds Which, familiar. It does sound like her, for sure. Uh, to Angela on May 29th, the subject line is, die. I hope you are scared to death tomorrow. Be prepared. Don't sleep. Be watchful of the daughters of God. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. You are a piece of shit and I hope to God you burn for what you've done to us. How 
Oh my God. Two days later, you deserve nothing but a life of lonely torture. I have ways to hurt you. There is no place you will be safe anymore. Be warned, Angela. You've lost and I'm going to end you. You will suffer. I will pray for you. I'm not even reading the whole emails. These are like excerpts, but it these are like the dis- most disturbing parts. Um, so imagine like she's pregnant. She's it's pretty obvious who would be sending them. It's not, you know, big mystery. It's like, okay, Michelle's sending these emails. So on June 1st, Angela goes to the police and it files a complaint and tries to get a restraining order. And she's like this, you know, my my husband, I guess his ex is threatening us with violence. More emails start to come even the very day that she goes to file this. Uh, saying things like, you might be beautiful. You might be the one he married, but you're still a sinner and must be punished. I will make sure you're reminded of your place by force. And the next day, I know you are leaving work. I watch as you walk. Let's play a game. Some of these emails include images of women that have been beaten up um, and people being like groped or naked or strangled, like really, really scary imagery. Um, but all of these seem to be coming from these different email addresses that are all somehow linked to Michelle Hadley. And because they match the tone of the letters we know she wrote in about the condo, right. there's like lots of God references and Lilith references. So it, it it's very easy to make the mental yeah. jump that she's the one sending them. Um. Michelle gets a restraining order June 6th taken out by Angela. Like she receives a restraining order that's like you can't go near Angela. And she's like, I've never met Angela. Why am I getting this? She says she's stunned. She goes to the hearing and Angela's like at the hearing showing all these emails. And Michelle says she's never written them. She's never seen them. But all these emails are coming to light that are like, you emailed me this. You emailed me that I was going to get hurt. Angela is so emotionally affected by getting all of these horrible emails and threats that she has a miscarriage in the spring. And she's like, it's because of this. Like, this is what is giving me a miscarriage. And Ian, meanwhile. okay, Hmm. so she tells police she suffered a miscarriage because of this. But what really happened, it seems, is that Ian says that he was suspicious that it wasn't his kid. Because remember, he got a message that was like, she's sleeping with other people, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that he asked her to get an abortion. And she did. Wait, that's what happened? That's... Or that's what that's what Ian says. That's what Ian says happened. Fuck Ian. That, and that's... There's stories abound. But then she says she's pregnant again. Like, right after this goes down. Whether it's a miss... Let's leave it up to who knows and yeah. say we don't know what happened. But what we do know is that in May 2016, she's like, don't worry, I'm pregnant again. And she is giving out sonograms and it's twins and it's super exciting. And, like, everyone's excited. His Ian's, family's excited. It's, it's Ian's kids? Yes. It's Ian's kids. So this guy, I hate that he's procreating. I hate it. A few days after the court case, an ad shows up on Craigslist that is somebody's looking for a rape fantasy partner. It's like the casual encounters section. And it says there's like a, a creepy photo 
like the letters of like a woman getting right. raped, basically. And it says, I am looking for women who have fantasies about being raped and forced to perform. I've done this before with a couple of ex-girlfriends and found it very intense and exciting. We would agree on the limits before meeting and we could meet at a safe location like a hotel. And then the person that posted this is like, I'm a clean cut professional. There is a reply to this that is left on June 13th. The reply is from a Lilith Hadley, which Michelle Hadley is, you know, Michelle's last name is Hadley. And it says, if you are free tonight, come find me, force me into my house and take me down and then gives the condo's address, Angela and Ian's address. Oh, my God. This same night, Angela says, calls the police and says a guy looked up, like showed up at her door expecting to have like rape fantasy sex with her and they sent him away and then someone else came so they're like this is very someone else came like two people two different attackers yes and they're like people are coming to our door that we don't know what's going on six days later they get a call from angela and she has been warned by somebody that someone's coming to her house again because they like think that she's into rape fantasy stuff and the cops call him to be like just so you know the thing that you saw was fraudulent. Like, this is not someone that wants you to go rape them. Um, the oh man God. writes to Ian to apologize for the confusion. And then he's like, I have these pictures of her that were sent to me. And they're pictures taken off Instagram. Like, basically, like, this is your target. I, I'm your target. Here's what I look like. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michelle gets an email from Craigslist asking her to verify that she created a new ad. And the title of the ad is Gang Rape Fantasy. So she's writing back. She's like, no, I didn't create a gang rape fantasy ad. On June 21st, another man makes contact with Angela through a rape fantasy ad. And again, the police have to intercede and be like, no, don't go rape this person. Whoever has been responding online to these men that are seeking to fulfill rape fantasies, all of the responses are someone posing as Angela saying, I'm into that. Here's pictures of me. Here's where I live. Here's my daily routine. No matter how hard I fight and insist I don't want it, that's part of it to me. Rape me. Oh, my God. It gets so scary. On On June 24th, Angela calls 911 and is like, someone just ambushed me in my garage. Somebody attacked me. And she has like, they show up, her clothes are torn, she has marks on and she's on her neck and she's like, I was like able to get him off me and he was trying to rape me. So let's talk about what the fallout of all this is, because this has like been building. We went from the letters to the Craigslist ads and then late June 2016, Hadley is out on a date, Michelle, she comes home from the date and there are policemen at her house. This has been, just to timeline this for you, this is three weeks after she got the restraining order. Okay? Okay. And they're like, hey, we have a warrant. We need to see all your shit, like your electronic devices. Mm -hmm. And they, she's she's home, she's like wearing like a cocktail dress because she was on a date and they put her in jail. And so she's in a cocktail dress, which I'm like, let her put on sweats. No one wants to go to jail in a cocktail dress. I know, but if they think this is her, if they think she's doing they're this, they're not going to do her favors. They're not going to be like, "Hey, let's let's make you comfy." 
She's like, you're going to figure out that it's not me any minute. But she has to sleep in jail. And then her parents have to like post bond and come get her. Um, and it, bond is not chill. It's like $10,000. It's not like mellow to get her out of jail. Totally. Um, but as soon as she's out of jail, guess what? The emails start again. And on July 11th, there's another Craigslist rape ad. There's a response that's like, come to Angela's oh house. Angela Diaz Get some pepper spray. Get some pepper spray. So remember that amidst all this, they still are fighting about the condo because the condo stuff is like coming to a close here where it's like something needs to happen. He hasn't like amidst all this, they have been supposed. He's not paying. Remember that they were supposed to switch it so that it's Ian paying. He's not. So Michelle files a breach of contract a lawsuit against Ian and she's like I just want to sell it I just don't want to have anything to do with you he and, and you and Angela are fucking living there so either start paying yeah. yourself or let's sell it and you guys move somewhere else and he's like okay we're, we'll, we're we're gonna sell we are gonna sell that's why I'm not paying like we're gonna sell so the next day after she files that lawsuit against Ian Angela calls the cops and she's like I see a weird kid hanging outside the condo and he's 17 and the police talk to him and he's like, I'm just here because I saw this Craigslist ad just trying oh, to God. have sex. Like, I, I also just like I, the 17 year old with like a rape fantasy. Like horrible, that's so scary. Horrible, like horrible. that's just like it's a, everything. Just like Ugh, if the story's not scary wanna, enough, Ugh. there's a lot of side characters that you have to worry about, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For so sure. Michelle gets arrested a second time. Because this rape stuff is going on and. They this time she's at home with her parents like doing schoolwork and they come in and they're like, we have all these criminal charges against you. Six counts of attempted rape, essentially, for directing these men to rape Angela. And so they set her bail for a million dollars. So obviously her parents are like, we don't have a million dollars. And they're like, we think that money we need to use all the money we have to get you a fucking lawyer. And the press, meanwhile, has heard this story. So they're publishing tons of shit because this is wild where they're like, of course, this guy's ex is like getting back at his now pregnant wife by doing these fake rape ads. And they're printing these stories about her with pictures of her and like, oh, my God. Yes. And they're like, this is the story of this woman, Michelle Hadley. She's a psycho. And she's in prison for 88 days. Like Three fucking months. And oh she. my God. And, w- and when she tells police, look, this guy, Ian, he was really abusive to me. That's why I got out of this. And now he's like holding me hostage through this money thing. And they're like, well, why didn't you report him earlier? Like it just, I don't know. And then they're it like. It seems like an excuse. And then it they're seems like, what like... was your sex life like before him? And what was it like after him? And she's like. What a weird follow-up question. (laughs) Like, what in the world? And they're doing, I mean, she's in jail. They're doing strip searches. She's not allowed to have any physical activity. She says that they they let her out, like, almost never. She was in the cell 23 hours a day. Um, And this is kind of cute. The woman that she shares the cell with. This is kind of cute. Stop. You know, like, family kidnapping (laughs) stuff? We're like, yeah, there's a grandma she shares her cell with that's in there for kidnapping one of her grandkids, basically. And she (laughs) they have like they're cellmates and they become friends. And 
they get really close. And I don't know. I thought that was something. But Michelle. I thought that was something. Uh, well, it's like, like that. Well, we were reading about this experience she had in prison. And it's like, I. It's so inhumane. I think because how people we, go mean, to prison so... for years, we don't think about like this woman and what she's gone through. And she's Let's in. Let's put it this way. Paris Hilton was sentenced to jail and she barely lasted a day. So like there, I mean, I'm not, I mean, and she got out, which is not whatever. They won't give her contact lenses. Let me say, they won't give her contact lenses. They won't give her toilet paper. They won't give her sanitary products. Yeah. People are talking in the jail as they do. They're reading these newspaper articles about why she's there and that she's this jealous psychopath. Did they keep her in her cell for 23 hours for her? quote her safety That's because people were hearing the story sure i mean i have no I'm idea sure, like listen i'm sure there are a lot of people in there who might have been you know victims of assault and could i don't know i don't know oh wow i'll tell you this i don't know why it falls to her father to do this but he is like i'm gonna teach myself about ip addresses i'm gonna fucking figure this out because i know my kid you know didn't what? send these freaky deaky emails never doubt a fucking parent's love i'll yeah. tell you that much well, th- so he and his wife are like up nights and they've got like their crime board out and they're like making Excel spreadsheets and trying to figure out how this could have happened. And they're they're because they're looking with a fine tooth comb and they're trying yeah. to exonerate their daughter. And that's all they're trying to do. They start to notice weird shit where they're like, hey, this email was sent while Michelle was for sure in class and like witnesses would be able to say she was sitting in a classroom and this is you know this is 2006 or whatever it you know i don't think she was or 2016 right or 2016 right is that right all all i mean to say is that she's in class i don't think she's like able to do this from class Mm. is the idea yeah Michelle, I'm sure they have more than one email while she was in class. I'm sure they probably showed a pattern of like all of these emails being sent at times when she was out doing other shit. Yeah. She, and she's she knows her parents are like so worried about her. She's writing oh, to them God, being like, the you guys, it's not that bad. It totally is. And she's like, I'm OK. By the way, when I get out, I just really want to go out for a burger and a glass of red wine. Like she's trying to be like, it's fine. Super I'm going to get out soon. She's, it's normal. She's like... I've got the I'm on the side of angels it's not me it'll be okay and she also you know she does believe in God so you know I mean she has a very high faith maybe that was helping her through while she is in prison Angela and Ian are in the condo and Angela's like oh Oh, Ian don't worry I know you've been like kind of bummed out I don't work but I got a job as an Orange County court clerk and she's like Yes. And she's coming home and being like, you'll never believe what happened at work. Samantha was wearing a green jumpsuit. And I was like, wait a minute. She's like telling all these stories about her colleagues. She's bringing home paychecks. And she's like, ooh, um, can you cash it for me? Because I don't have an account. And he'll cash it, but then it'll bounce like her work paycheck. And then finally, it like the house of cards comes tumbling. And she's like, okay, it was a lie. I don't don't have um, a job. And I made that check. online and Ian's like what and then he starts to feel weird where he's like I feel like you don't seem pregnant and what he's like well because I think that one lie it's like when? makes him start when? to be like is this story 
fucking going. I know. So he does a Google reverse image search of the ultrasound and he finds it on Etsy, that ultrasound picture. And it's for $7.50 and you can customize it to have your name, a hospital's name, a doctor's name. And so he goes to Angela in September and he's like, confronts her and drives her to a hotel and is like, you're sleeping at the, like, get out of here. And then when he goes home, he's like looking through the house and he finds a pregnancy test that looks like a positive pregnancy test, but then mm-hmm. when he looks closer, it seems like she did it with a pen. <laughs> like she wrote what? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. by the end of September, they are separated. Angela and Ian are separated. He goes to police and he's like, Hey, my wife, my ex, is a liar. She lied to me about her job. She lied to me about a pregnancy. And I think that she was framing my ex for some crazy shit online. What? I thought it was going to be Ian. And he's like, it takes them seven months for them to figure out that everything had been created by Angela, that she had hurt herself that day that, like, they came and she was like, somebody tried to rape me. Like, that didn't happen. Like, she, those were self-inflicted. She was, so now just take a pause and realize Angela was terrorizing Angela. Angela wrote herself letters that were like, you should die. Angela posted pictures of herself on Craigslist being like, rape me. And then was like calling the police being like, someone's trying to rape me. (gasps) Michelle gets released from prison because of this. My God. So weirdly, Ian saying it was Angela is what gets Michelle out. Now, when Michelle gets out, to be clear, while this is happening, they're not just like, you're free and clear to go. She is like an ankle monitor. And they're like, you can't talk about this right now. Um, which they have to. Ima- yeah. But imagine not being able to talk about it when publicly. No, and like the media has like they have, maligned you. Yes. Yeah. And you can't come out and be like, listen. So she's like, oh, my God. The lawsuits are ongoing. She can't say anything. Oh, my God. Okay. So while this is all happening. The Daily Beast gets contacted by a woman named Lacey who says, Angela is not really the person that did this. It was Ian. He has been cheating on Angela the whole time. And actually, she's just another victim. And she said of Angela, how sad and sorry we should all feel for this poor woman. Angela knows nothing more than how to be a dutiful and good wife. All it right. seems Lacey? And it says, it seems like she's been attacked from all sides. Someone should speak out for her. And then this woman, Lacey, disappears when they're like, who are you? Like, give us some identification so we can publish Angela, this. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean. I mean, Lacey. What, it's what Angela. It? I mean, Lacey. It's, it's Angela. It's Angela. It's Lacey Angela. Angela's my male. And that's why I identify with her. That's why I really am rooting for her. Holy- so, as we know. Michelle was already in prison three months, in jail three months, sorry, in jail three months. And now that she's out, it takes three more months for them to publicly exonerate her. So she's being quiet wearing this ankle bracelet. And finally, finally, it's like six month ordeal. They're like, okay, we can now publicly say it was like Michelle Hadley is innocent of all these crimes. And in January of 2017, Angela gets arrested And they're like, publicly, they're like, Ian Diaz was not involved. Um, 
but actually they don't even reveal his identity. Sorry. They call him John Doe. Like they don't even, they protect him. The police. Stop it. They protect him. Believe it or not. Stop it. The police protect the U.S. Marshal. Stop. The U.S. Marshal. Michelle had her name. Look at my face. I am shocked. Michelle's name was all the fuck everywhere. Holy fucking shit. That's awful. After he rats out Angela, they do not even question him a second time. And then months later, they're like, oh, by the way, can we see your phone, Ian? And he's like, no, I don't even I don't have it anymore. And they're like, oh, all right. Case closed. <laughs> OK, I'm dead. I'm, I mean, I'm, this story, what? I swear I'm almost done, but I'm also not because there's like a couple more crazy things I have to tell you, which is that. The investigation that they end up doing into Angela reveals that she, as the L.A. Times put it, she is a serial con artist. The deputy district attorney says she duped us. It was very sophisticated, well thought out because Angela didn't just do this thing where she pretended to be Michelle. She did this other thing where she sent notes using her ex, Jason Rayburn, as the cover. Because there's all these notes written to Angela from him. He's a California cop who dated her and broke up with her. And he's writing to her saying things like, you have not heeded my warnings. I will have and will have to be hurt in order to see the truth about him. Talking about Ian. You need to watch your back. And all these emails that are like, do I have to hurt you to make you see this? Ian is a snake, Satan, and is a sinner. You are disposable, and I hope to God on high you are put in your place. I will prove to you the truth no matter the cost. So you're like, wait, there's these other fake emails that she's she's doing fake emails as Michelle, who she hates and wants to get back at and is in this condo fight with and wants to win. She's doing these emails from this guy, Jason. And when you realize that, you're like, well, who's Jason? Like, he's somebody she also, like, has weird beef with. Who is this guy? His story is that he dumped Angela after he was with her for eight months. And the reason that he dumped Angela was that he found out she had lied about being an attorney. Sounds familiar. She had also lied about having cervical cancer. (gasps) Yes. There was – they had, like – They had a similar dating thing where they met. They were only together for a little bit and they moved in. And the reason that they moved in is she was like, oh, my God, I've just been diagnosed with cervical cancer. And she does this thing where she moves in and he has to, like, take care of her. And he has a son with special needs. But now he has this girlfriend with cervical cancer and she shaves her head. She takes photos of herself getting chemo. But she's boozing all the time. And he's like, oh, I didn't know you could like drink so heavily when you're on chemo. And then he also does the Google image reverse game, which I guess we just have to start doing as a hobby because it reveals that she's like doctoring these photos to make it look like she's getting chemo, but they're fake. And after they figure out that she faked cancer, they all her friends have like a what do you call it when you like uh, intervention to be like, hey, you lied to all of us about having cancer. At that event is a woman named Mary Bukovskis. She was really good friends with Angela and Angela had been telling her that not only did she have cancer, but that Jason was abusive. And so Mary felt like something was off and had done her own digging. She had called the doctor Angela was supposedly seeing and they were like, we don't have a record of her. 
But at the intervention, she doesn't take responsibility. She just basically flees and goes to, like, create chaos in a different community. But, like, Jason had to come be part of this trial. And he had to be like, oh, I thought I got rid of this woman. He's like, I'm fortunate oh. to be out of this situation now. He said, this is what he said. There was incredibly devious stuff going on. Stuff that a normal human being wouldn't devise. I'm fortunate to be out of the situation now. Yikes. Wait, so who was doing it? Was it definitely Angela's Angela? Okay, well, let's talk about that. Because like, Ian, all right, let's talk about that. I'm Angela so gets sentenced. All right, let me let me break it down. Angela gets sentenced to five years in prison. She does plead guilty to ten felony and twenty-two misdemeanor charges: kidnapping, false imprisonment, forgery, perjury, falsely reporting a crime to a peace officer. And Ian has their marriage annulled. They're not married anymore. Oh my God, you're gonna die. This is also really crazy. <laughs> and this is why I wanted to do it when we worked for Lifetime. Okay, they took, remember they took all Angela's shit, her devices? They find yes. a Word document on one of them that is a pitch to Lifetime. And it's to make a movie of her story before all this, before she got caught. The idea that her story was that another woman did all this rape stuff to her. And she even titled it, A Darkness Within, The Angela Diaz Story. And another title pitch was Daughters of God, the could Angela Diaz if, story. Could you imagine <laughs> if they shut down the whole audio department and they're like, we're actually, we need the extra money to produce the Angela Diaz story. <laughs> That's an alternative. That's like hey. in another world that could have happened. Well, I'm like, it is sort of, I'm. It, it is. It, it actually would be a really good story. It is good a good story. lifetime. It's just not going to be told the way you want it told, Angela. Yeah. Angela, you're, it, it might turns be out the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out the call Speaking is coming from inside. Speaking of bad guys and good guys, Michelle, phone. who spent three months in jail, had such a horrible time in jail that she's like, I don't think Angela should have to go to jail because I just don't think people should have to go to jail. It's that terrible. And I think it should be reserved for the real bad guys out there, like Ian. And that's her stance on it. But remember, Ian hasn't been found guilty of anything. Just in terms of failure to launch. Um, <laughs> As in he's a U.S. Marshal who lives at his mother's home? Well, talking about tracing these emails, Angela had used something called VPNs that make it impossible to track the emails. Because I, I think like I was talking about the IP address stuff. It's why it was so hard for them to figure out for a really long time. But... Mm -hmm. A warrant did reveal that before they arrested her, they knew that 21 emails were easily traced to the condo's IP address. And they also had Michelle calling the Anaheim police four times saying, I think someone is impersonating me online. Because remember, she was getting all those notices. She knew something was up. All this is to say, she was like, I'm scared of my ex. He's dangerous. Someone's doing things to me online. And there were some emails that were very easily traced to the condo. It, it's very tricky that this is the case and that this took this long and that this woman spent time in jail. People were not returning Michelle's calls and they were not doing their due diligence. Um, oh, so she was. That's the thing I was going to say is because yeah. like, why didn't you tell us earlier? And it's like she did. She did tell you. She did try. She did. Nobody listened to her. There were also just a lot of lies that both Ian and Angela were telling that were like pretty easy to verify. Things like when that rape happened, it's like there were surveillance cameras at the condo garage and they don't show anybody coming there. And 
there were emails, like we said, like what the dad found out. It's like there were emails that were supposedly sent for Michelle at times when she absolutely would not have had access to them. Um, times like she didn't have her electronics because they'd been seized and then Angela would get a threatening email while the electronics had been seized. But it's like her parents had the burden of proof, weirdly, <laughs> and were like trying to do this all themselves. So Michelle is like pushing back and she accepts a settlement from the city of Anaheim and four of its police officers. They do not disclose publicly what that dollar figure is. I hope it's a shit ton of money. I don't think it is. She says she's still in debt over this experience. Like what? And she says that when she was in jail, Ian sold the condo. And because she was in jail, she didn't get any of that money. Wait, that that can't wait a minute. She also says that it's affected her where when she goes to job interviews now, she has to hope people followed this story because to a lot of people, they have seen her face and what they relate it to is jealous, love triangle, crazy, rape fantasy. And like they don't necessarily. Oh, my God. They don't like obviously it was publicized that she was innocent as well. But it's like, do you go into a job interview and be like, just so you know, you can't put it back in the box. You can't put the snake back in the box. That is I don't know what the phrase is. What is the phrase? You can't put the oodles of caboodles back in the oodles of caboodles back in the noodle, I think. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure I knew this phrase. Well, so what she says about this, and I don't disagree, is this is a case where a bunch of cops were looking out for each other. I could walk away Mm. and say my life is effed. It's over. Who cares anymore? But I want to take a stand. And it's more than just for me. I don't want this to happen to anyone else. In December yeah, because of 2020, if, if this shit goes on, she files if this, this shit. Go ahead. If this shit goes on, it just means it can happen elsewhere. Like you're telling me that people aren't going to be listening to this story or here, not our listeners, but you're telling me people aren't going to follow this story and go, oh, that's a really good idea. I can do that. And look, it's going to ruin someone's life. Right. Right. Yeah. It's why not? Well, that it's not a happy ending, but here's where we here's where we are now and it's kind of a crazy story because we started it in 20 you know 16 or 2014 when they met really and here here we are in 2020 she files an 80 page civil lawsuit okay or it's filed on her behalf and the federal lawsuit is basically an a version of another complaint that she had filed in California state remember she like won against Anaheim there was a settlement this is this this lawsuit alleges that Ian was behind it, okay? Mm-hmm. And the complaint states that at its heart, this is a case about the blue wall of silence, i.e. law enforcement officers and officials enabling fellow officers to violate civilians' rights. And in this lawsuit, it talks about how Angela has had to pay a price, but Ian hasn't. And that Michelle strongly believes that Ian is, in fact, the mastermind and that he did all these horrible things, and then he was really excited for. I, and to be clear, Angela was not an innocent bystander by any means. Of course, but, but do you think Ian was the one that came up with this sort of like Craigslist rape fantasy thing, or was that Angela? I think it's hard to say, and I think that I who could have what I picture is it's some version of them being like, "How are we going to keep the condo? We got to get her out of the picture." Oh, my God. Oh, but my I, God. I definitely think this was teamwork makes the nightmare the work. Dream. 
Um, oh my God. Michelle Hadley's That's lawyer so says scary. it was our client's bravery and diligence in bringing her civil suit that exposed the holes in Anaheim's investigation and the cover-up of the cover-up. Let this be a lesson to all abusers. The law will catch up with you, even if you are a law enforcer. And basically, the prosecutors are like, Ian wanted to intimidate Michelle so that he could keep the condo and he would do anything to just like get to keep the condo, not have to pay the money. He is indicted on May of 2021. That is four years after Angela was. And they're like, shit, we think you hid behind VPMs and that you were communicating with each other. We can prove that you, Ian and Angela were talking to each other about your devious plans. And when this happens, he's placed on unpaid administrative leave from the U.S. Marshals. And in the indictment, they're like, we think you were totally part of this posting on Craigslist thing. We think that you used your cell phone to approve these posts. Then you canceled your cell service the next day and that you used your work cell phone (laughs) that the U.S. Marshals gave you. And that you and Angela set up all these accounts, set up all these profiles, and that you help stage the fake rape. Like when Angela was like, somebody came and tore my clothing and tried to rape me, that he was part of like staging that. And so there's all these counts against him. Conspiracy to commit cyber stalking, cyber stalking, perjury for his false testimony. His trial lasted a week. And in March of 2023, he was found guilty. He was sentenced to 10 years and one month in prison. And that is the end of the story. All all of his money should go to Michelle. Agree. That poor woman. Helen back, second boyfriend turned husband, hell and back. And like one year of her life. Like they weren't even together that long. Well, not even like, I mean, listen, we talked about, we talked about the the red flag. Let the right one in. So long ago. Let the wrong one in. I mean, Hey, everyone, I just want to say you're beautiful the way that you are. You're and beautiful. if anyone is masking you to change, it's run, run, true. run, run for the fucking hills. If anyone asks you to get your belly button pierced, just leave. Run. Just get out especially of there. Especially in late, especially, can I tell you, the belly button piercing, especially in like 2011, 2000, like, to be honest, that's like a little bit too late. That's you know a little what I mean? late. Like, if you haven't done it by now, please don't do it. I know there's all these young people who are doing them. You know, the 90s are coming back or the early 2000s style is coming back. That's just how it works. So, like, I get people now. But, like, 2011, I remember I was in college or I was graduating school, college at that time. And they were not in fashion. So, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? I'm flummoxed. But I am glad he got his comeuppance. Um, I mean, 10 years is frankly not enough. But I I don't think the – I think that – I hope – that Michelle well, I'm is happy that he's gonna be... with him finally. And thank God she fought because it is that thing of like. She could have just let it lie. Well, and they were also, I think it's interesting that the the press was sort of like, oh, it's a cat fight. And it's like, it's not a fucking cat fight. This U.S. Marshal, this Ian is super fucking involved. And I think that Ian was really knew he was going to get caught. And threw Angela under the bus. But also, I think he might have thrown her under the bus because maybe when 
It's this perfect storm where she's a pathological liar and he finds out she's lying about having a job and being pregnant with his twins. And he's like, fuck you. So he throws her under the bus for this crime they were co-conspirators on. It's just she and she doesn't indict him, which I think is interesting. Everybody's a bad guy. Everybody's a bad guy. Except for Michelle. No, Michelle's not a bad guy. But I just can't believe that this horrible couple found each other, you know? Well, you know. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they found each other. I'm, I'm not glad, glad they, they both found went each other to jail. Like, but thank God they both went to jail. And I just think I I like that this U.S. Marshal is in fucking jail, mm-hmm. and so he can feel what it's like to. I hope nobody's given that time. guy toilet paper. Ooh. I hope you have no toilet paper, sir. Ooh, I hope you have toilet paper, and it's just that last little like single ply, and the roll, and it always you know be I mean? breaking, and your fingers just and break right breaking. through it, and your fingers yeah. are in your stinky poopy butt. That's what we hope, Ian. <laughs> Koa, is that you? <laughs> I hanging out with five-year-olds too much. That was such a long story, Quinn. I know, and I apologize, but I also no, thought it was fitting to it. do We're a back. really long story uh, the day we come back. Like, it felt right. Well, I'm doing a really short story, and I got to tell you, it's uh, it ends happy. So <gasps> so I Thrill. do a little, it's a little, but it's true, and it's a little dark, it's a little scary, it's a little creepy. So here we go. Um, I'm telling this story because I'm here in Winnipeg where they were celebrating around here in Manitoba. They were celebrating the 40th anniversary of this event. So I want to tell this story. I got it from Wikipedia. Wikipedia? (laughs) Who am I? Why? Why am I? (laughs) Wikipedia? Who the fuck? Wikipedia? I got this information from Wikipedia, Winnipeg TV, and CBC. So, so what you need to know backstory is that Canada went to the metric system in 1975. The U.S. does not use the metric system. So, like, obviously, it went from miles to kilometers. It went from pounds to kilograms, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So this is the story of the Gimli Glider. This plane was Air Canada Flight 143, and it was this domestic passenger flight that would fly between Montreal and Edmonton, and it would stop in Ottawa, but it would make its way across um, the country of Canada. Okay, so it's July 22nd, 1983, and the day before this flight is about to take off, some technicians are doing the thing where, you know, you do checklists, you like run Make sure this thing is working. Make sure that thing is working. And they noticed that this thing called the Fuel Quality Indicator Sensor, so FQIS, as peeps in the biz know, um, is defective. Okay, it's faulty. So this flight crew sees that it's faulty and they they disable that channel. Mm-hmm. And then they make an entry into the logbook. So essentially they're like, hey, this is faulty. It's not going to work. We're going to disable yeah. it. And so they um, then notify the next morning the captains of that flight who's bringing it over to Montreal. They're like, hey, this is a faulty thing. So the captain that day um, takes a little dipstick reading. I love that. It's I a love dipstick. Dip yes. I do too. I love a dipstick. So they take a dipstick reading, which is like basically, and I listen, there was a lot of flight information for you flight nerds who want to hear more. Look it up. But I don't think our listeners actually care (laughs) what this fucking thing is. But essentially what has to do is this is like a newer plane um, in their fleet at this time. And um, so the dipstick is they like put in a little stick essentially into the fuel gauge and they can see the the height of it and they could see sort of the volume of the of the um, fuel. And then they can 
And then what they would do is they would like convert it from um, centimeters to liters to kilograms. So Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of conversions to get exactly what this is at. And there was another FQIS or a backup. And they said, oh, yeah, this looks the same. So we have enough gas. This is great. Mm -hmm. Um, So he flies to Toronto and then to Montreal from Edmonton. And there's no problem. The flight goes off without a hitch. So at Montreal, the pilots change over. And we're going to meet our pilots, um, Captain Robert Pearson and First Officer Maurice Quintal. And they take over to fly from Montreal to Ottawa to Edmonton. That is across the country. Edmonton is in Calgary on the West Coast. Montreal is on closer to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when the keys, and I don't think pilots actually have keys, to be clear, but when essentially they're handed, <laughs> could you imagine? I've lost my keys and like you can't take Shit. off. <laughs> Where's Shit. my keys? Don't you hate when that happens? So when essentially the keys are passed over, we are, or the pilot from that first leg tells Pearson that there's a faulty FQIS. Um, and so Pearson is going, okay, this is helpful to know. Thank you so much. I'm going to make sure I have enough fuel to get us to Edmonton so I don't have to refuel in Ottawa and I don't have to do another dipstick situation. While their conversation, while the pilot's conversation is happening, a technician is in the cockpit doing a sort of like checklist situation on the plane. And he's waiting for the fuel truck. And while he's waiting for the fuel truck, he essentially like reconnects the defective FQIS channel. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's Why? just... I think he was like... Did he not listen? Was he doing that thing where you're like, uh-huh? I think he went on, no pun intended, autopilot. Like, oh, I think shit. He just we was wish like, he went on right, autopilot. Sounds like an issue of... This is like... This is like a series of unfortunate events, truly. Um, he like got distracted and I'm sure he was like doing the checklist. You know, I, it was in the 80s. So he probably had his Walkman. He had a great cassette playing. I don't know what he was tuned into. I imagine Depeche Mode. So he just, he like, he enables it. Then Pearson comes into the cockpit. He sees the FQIS is blank as expected because it's faulty. But he thinks the other one, you know, it's just like, a lot of lack of communication, a lot of people touching a lot of things. Then Pearson takes a dipstick measurement himself and he does that thing where he converts it to set from centimeters to liters to kilograms. However, mm-hmm. this is a newer plane in their fleet. And he used an equation that worked on previous planes when they were using the non-metric system and he did the calculation wrong. Can I tell you that somebody posted online recently a thing that said somebody had written like believe it or not this some to to explain how long something was they were like it's almost as big as a whale this kind of whale a blue whale and then somebody else commented god you americans will do anything to not use the metric system <laughs> and then that person replied why don't you travel six blue whales over here and say that to my face? <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. I really, really like that. I just had to tell you. I thought you'd like That's that. That's really good. So so this pilot, Captain Pearson, he's like, listen, I got enough fuel. 
that I'm not going to have to refuel in Ottawa. So this mm-hmm. is great. So he flies to, from Montreal to Ottawa without a hitch. No fuel is added in Edmonton. And it is July 23rd, 1983. And he takes off from um, Ottawa. And he's on his way to Edmonton. And it's the middle of the flight. It's somewhere around 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And they're at 41,000 feet. And all of a sudden, in the cockpit, they get a warning indicating that the there's a fuel fresher that indicating that there's a fuel pressure f- problem on the left side mm-hmm. and they're like hmm maybe there's just something wrong with the fuel pump right okay so maybe the fuel pump failed but okay whatever he turns off the alarm thinking that the engine's going to be okay because gravity would typically resolve this right mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the right side alarm goes off and they're going hmm this is bad. So the pilots go, you know, we're close to Winnipeg. So we're going to divert to the Winnipeg airport. It's the closest airport. Then a couple of seconds later, the left engine that they had gotten a warning about just fails. The left engine is But they have two engines. They have a right engine. So I picture they're they're just flying crooked. They're just a little, you know, it takes a little balance. Yeah. So the left engine fails. So then they start to prepare for a single engine landing. They're like, we're going to Winnipeg. We're on our way. While they're speaking to Winnipeg, coordinating their travel plans, the adjustment, the cockpit gets a warning for all engines out. And a couple of seconds later, the right engine, kaput, gone. Do you just tank? Do you just absolutely drop out of the sky? No. I mean, listen, Quinn, I know you're not a scientist. You don't claim to play one. You just, you don't claim to be one. You just play one on a podcast. Because of physics, because of the Wright brothers, I don't know if you heard about those folks, but once a plane is up, like, you can drift and glide based on, like, it's air like a pressure. Boyd. Like a what? Like a Boyd. Yeah, like a feather. And a Boyd. <laughs> yeah. Like a Boyd. I couldn't... No, I was like, a buoy? What are you talking about? Okay, yeah, like a Boyd. So what's also crazy about this is that this airliner, again, it's a newer technology, and... The electronic flight instrument system, which is operated electrically, that electricity is generated by, guess what? The aircraft's engines. Oh, dang. So when the engines stop, the system essentially goes dead. The screens on that cockpit are blank. There are some that are battery powered for emergency, but like even the like manual like lever it's operated by hydraulic systems because the plane is so fucking big. So there's nothing to do? So what they got really fucking lucky. So again, they had some battery powered instruments. While these instruments could help them land the plane, what is missing is it doesn't include a vertical speed indicator, which would help, which is used to determine how far the plane can glide. So it is, um, listen, it's not good. It's really not good. So the pilots immediately like are following protocol. They look for an emergency checklist on how to fly without an engine. But this oh my is so God. new. I can't imagine having like this level of disaster and being like index. All right. How to. All right. <laughs> page 53. Gloss. Like I just can't imagine having the well, Quinn, wherewithal Quinn, to not they just. They look for the glossary. <laughs> and guess what? None existed. Oh, None fucking existed. They're like, we don't. Have a thing like They're that because like, you're this just is not dead, a thing. man. Yeah, they say good luck. Why would good we, luck to you? Like, I wish they would oh, turn to that. Okay, page fifty three, and you just turn to it, and it says, "So sorry." Um, say your prayers. Yeah, would that be one of them. 
So like my question is like, what's happening in the back? I'm sure they're like, everybody, um, sit down. Um, <laughs> like, what do you do? Right? There do are, they like, know anything people the on the plane? Or do they like ostentatiously? I'm they would, sure they like it's happening, and they're like, physical happen. Well, or... I mean, like, yeah, the plane essentially gets quiet because imagine like you don't have the engines running. It's pretty <sighs> quiet back oh there. God. Something is definitely wrong. I'm sure flight attendants, the crew is trying to keep everyone fucking calm. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what's amazing. On that flight, Pearson, the captain, turns out that guy's an experienced glider pilot. But gliding on a plane has actually never been used on a commercial flight. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not necessarily like what you do when there's 61 passengers on the no. plane. You know? <laughs> We're going to just glide to our destination. And so they're like, all right, are we going to go to Winnipeg Airport? Now, they realize they're not going to make fucking Winnipeg. Winnipeg mm-hmm. is too far away. They've lost all the engines. They're going to have to glide wherever they're fucking going. So Quintel, the first um, the first mate mm-hmm. of the plane, yeah, the first, mate. first officer, I he can. actually trained, he trained with the um, Royal Canadian Air Force. And so he knew of this old Air Force base in Gimli, Manitoba. So he's going, you know what? I recall this place nearby let's land there could you imagine like there's no like (laughs) like, there's no signs on the road what are you doing what's crazy about this place (laughs) in Gimli is this runway this air force base was actually converted into a racetrack and this is unbeknownst to the first officer but he has no choice they need somewhere that has a runway and this is the only place that he can think of Mm -hmm. so what's crazy is on this runway this racetrack it was like a fun day there were kids riding bikes. There were people having barbecues. And since there was no engine, it was essentially a silent approach. So, like, there was no warning to get to these people. Oh, my God. The this people is had no warning. wild. In fact, the, so what you happened was... You wouldn't hear it coming. No. Oh, my God. Imagine, because there's no engines. There's nothing. It's just like... It's like dropping I mean, a penny out of the sky, but it's a plane. But it's a fucking plane. It's a 767. It's fucking massive. Good grief. So the pilot is trying to glide and they're doing like S curves just to like sort of like lower yeah. them slowly. Yeah. Because they can't do like the full 360 because they'll like miss the runway. As they're landing, they see two boys whose names are Art Zook and Carrie Seabrook. They're the only they're two of three people that witnessed this plane crash. Luckily, it did not get to the people having barbecues, but these little boys are riding their fucking bikes on the tarmac. The pilot recalls seeing these little kids being like, he sees, don't you picture him doing this? He sees them within a thousand feet of the projected point of impact. And he says he saw the looks on their faces. Could you imagine being on your fucking bike and like looking over your shoulder, and there's a fucking plane and it's north near by you. northwest. Like that is crazy. What happened was these fucking pilots landed this plane. They <gasps> they landed it safely on those little boys' heads. <laughs> the boys fucking rode for their goddamn lives. They ET'd out of there. They were like. They, there was like minor injuries on this. Basically, there was like because they had to like the again, the wheels had to be like slowly lowered. And even that like they didn't fully work. And the bottom like there was a little fire. There was some smoke. But 
basically there were no serious injuries of the 61 passengers and the people on the ground. From the moment they ran out of fuel to when they landed the plane, it was 17 minutes. Oof. That is a scary 17 minutes. But following an internal investigation, what's crazy yeah, is Captain How many calories Pierce... do you think they burned? <laughs> Just That's pour, the exercise that I Pouring sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so Air Canada does an internal investigation. And Captain Pearson, here's what's crazy. The guy that fucking landed this plane is like miracle of miracles. He's demoted for six months. Yeah. And First Officer Quintal, he's suspended for two weeks allowing the for for allowing the incident to happen because again they like did the wrong math here's the thing i don't think it's bad that they got in trouble for doing the wrong math when your job is to do math that everybody's life depends on the math like you gotta do the right math and i say that as somebody that always does the wrong math and i just wouldn't (laughs) apply for that job but i'm like i really need you guys to math well like i need you to math well i trust you to math because i can't math you know i trust you to do the math so listen they did end up getting three maintenance workers were also suspended i'm sure the guy listening to depeche mode on his cassette tape was also suspended in 1985 pearson and quintal were then awarded the first ever ever federation aeronautique international diploma for outstanding airmanship which like you know, great. I mean, I think you it's know, all they fair. They get a little award. It seems they did fine. a great job cleaning up after themselves once they made the mistake. Nobody died. It's a happy ending for sure. But like, do better. What's crazy is there were a couple of attempts um, by other crews who were given the same circumstances in this situation in a simulator at Vancouver Airport or whatever. Yeah, and they all resulted in crashes. Oh, so which was I wonder what their crazy. techniques were. They just weren't as good as flying, uh, as gliding, you know? They yeah, were gliders. Got, gliders be gliding. They were flyers. Gliders be gliding, as you know, as I say. Yeah. Maurice Quintal, the first officer, he died at 68 um, in 2015. Um, and what's crazy is the aircraft itself was actually temporarily repaired, and it flew out two days later to be repaired at a maintenance base in Winnipeg. Um but they ended up fixing this plane and it returned to full service for Air Canada. And of course, there was an appeal of the suspension of both captains and they were able to work again and, and assigned as crew members aboard another Air Canada flight. I don't know if they ever flew together again. Maybe a little PTSD. I don't know. Yeah. Um in 2013, the actual plane, the Gimli Glider, as it is known, was offered for sale at auction by a company called Collectible Cars, which... Wrong title. My, it's yeah. a plane. You it's know what plane. I mean? Get I, we're your not, life right. Yeah. And um, they were like, maybe it's like between like two to three million dollars, but people only paid like a half a million dollars for this and it was unsold. So the plane is like, I think in a, I don't know where the plane is. Probably I don't think a museum. Know where the plane Probably is. an aeronautics sure museum. There is, a, there is a museum in Gimli, but um, what's crazy is all of the survivors of this event have like met for anniversaries and have like stayed in touch and stayed in contact. And I have to tell you this story because it's just like a fun little bonus, little extra ending. Bob Pearson, mm-hmm. right? The pilot at the 30th anniversary of the plane landing of the Gimli glider incident. He met one of the passengers, this woman named Pearl Dion. Um, they met. Both of their partners had died um, 
before this event, before the 30th event. And they kind of hit it off and um, they're <gasps> together. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, and we just celebrated the 40th anniversary of the Gimli Glider incident here in Manitoba. So I just, you said you had a long one. I needed you a little short, but sweet. And there it is. It was perfect. And I thank you for it. Uh, Carrie would like to apologize uh, I want to, to apologize you, again the dear for readers, existing. Thank for you so much. being here, for talking to you. Um, but you know what? I think more than that, she'd like to apologize for seeing you next week and doing it all over again because she just doesn't learn her damn lesson. I don't learn my damn lesson. Never. I never do. I never do. Um, hey, Quinn. Mm? Happy we're back. Me too. 